Hello, hello. My name is April Malone with Yes, I Work From Home, and this is the podcast. Today, I have Anna Burgess-Yang with us. She is uh, coming from the Chicago area and has been working from home longer than I have, 16 years. Anna, tell us your story. Yeah, so um, I have basically been working from home for most of my professional life. Um, I started in fintech, financial technology, um, stayed at a company for 15 years as a product product manager before I then did a complete career pivot and went into content marketing and journalism, uh, but continued to work remotely for a few different companies. And now I am a freelance writer, uh, still a journalist, and also help um, mostly solopreneurs and small businesses improve their workflow through automation. So I'm kind of a geek that way, do a Mm -hmm. lot of technology. Um, so we have to tell the story about how our conversation started with your cats. <laughs> so anyone who works from home and has pets has probably had some type of experience where the animal is not where you want it to be at the time when you need them to not be there. So, um, I am in my basement cause it has better acoustics than where my no- office normally is. And my cat decided that she was going to follow me down here. I realized it and she jumped into the ceiling. Um, I've got like an older basement drop ceiling. There's like this little corner with a, she's a small cat. So she wedged herself up there and I could hear her wandering around above my head. And so I thought as, as April and I started talking, I thought, well, maybe if I just wait, she'll make an appearance because she's one of those cats that whenever I'm on a call, she's like, I have to be here. It's time for my close up. Sure enough, after a couple of minutes, she hopped out of the ceiling and came onto my lap. I'm like, hang on just a second. I will get her out of here. So she doesn't just (laughs) hang out the entire time while we're talking. I mean, I wouldn't mind, but um, (laughs) she would, she would be all over. (laughs) So I was just talking with my friend the other day. She was here, um, play date with the kids. And she said that her computer likes to walk across her keyboard, like all the time. Nice. And I, my, my keyboard is always situated in a way that she couldn't, my cat couldn't do that. Um, yeah, it's funny. They all have a different personality. They do. And this one likes to be involved. (laughs) We came into the meeting. I was like frantic because, you know, like, I think back when I worked in the office, if I was running late, you know, I was basically jogging in from, um, seven blocks parking spot, you know, it was like, kind of a hike. And so I'd be like, but then I'd have to get into the lobby and wait for an elevator and sit in the elevator and go up to the 17th floor or whatever I was on at the point. And I feel like it was usually enough time to kind of like settle in. But today I couldn't find my laptop and it ended up just being right on my bed, probably right where I said it. Um, it was right where I said it this morning. I just forgot that it wasn't in my bag and it wasn't in my office and it wasn't on the table or the other table. Um, and so I was like worried that I would have to cancel the call and reschedule. Cause I didn't know where my computer was. <laughs> um, thankfully my husband was working from home today. He's like, it's right there on the bed. You just couldn't see it over the pile of your junk. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we both kind of came in like a little, you know, frazzled. <laughs> I mean, you're frazzled. I wasn't, yeah. no, I was, I totally <laughs> am. So I feel like that's one of the things about working from home is that sometimes that separation from like the, the messy part of life is just a little bit closer to the office. Um, but it's part of the, I mean, well, and not only that, but you know, on video calls, everybody kind of sees that personal part of your life uh-huh. that doesn't exist. Like here's yeah. my cat yep, <laughs> as yep. part of this call, whether we want her to be or not. I like it, but yeah, I don't mind it. But at the same time, then we're closer to the personal parts of our life in a way that we want, because as soon as I jump out of this call, I'm going to be able to, you know, sit and chat with my husband for a second. And on the three days a week that he has to go to the office, I don't get to do that. So I came home from work on Thursday last week and he works every Thursday at the office, but I forgot it was Thursday. I thought it was Tuesday. Um, And I was like, where are you? I'm texting him. Like, you're, you're not here. (laughs) Your car's gone. You know? And he's like, you know, I realized right away that it was my, 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 my mistake, but anyways, well, what's, what's crazy about that is, uh, before the pandemic, um, even though I was working remotely and I was working for a company that was fully remote, um, we didn't do video calls. Like that wasn't a thing. Um, I was working with banks and credit unions, I mean, mm-hmm. conference calls all the time, always mm-hmm. just audio, mm-hmm. never video. So that was 
new to me, even though I had been working from home, it's like, oh, wait, people can see like what's in my yeah. background. Yeah. People can, you know, my kids were home because of the pandemic. And so there was mm-hmm. noise in the background that had mm-hmm. never really been there before. Yeah. Um, and I was really self-conscious about that at first. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember the first time a bank asked me to join like a Microsoft Teams call and they all had like their shirts with their bank logos on them, even though they were sitting in their kitchen, but like oh. they hadn't, they'd never worked from home before. They had no oh. idea what to do because they were banks, bankers. Wow. Um, and I was like, do we really have to be on video? Can we just turn this off and do We like audio calls were, were working for me before that. Yeah. Um, but now I've gotten used to it. You know, it's like, now I get to see the people I, uh, you know, work with, and I worked with a, a large company that was very spread out um, for a while. And so I like that. I like being able to see who I'm talking to. It was an investment. Every single company has its own culture. Yeah. And then every single person who works, you know, independently or freelancing or, you know, their own boss um, has their own system. I have interviewed over hundred people now and a handful of people tell me that they do like their full get dressed and makeup on and hair done and shoes on. Um, and then, you know, the rest of them are like, what I'm lucky to put pants on, um, which by the way, I do always recommend people wear pants. Cause you never know when you're going to jump case. up. Um, yeah. I mean, that is like my <laughs> refrain, please wear pants. Uh, but yeah, I think that you have to learn how to position yourself different. My husband's company, I don't know why, but like they are generally, they're on conference calls all the time, but it's, um, and they are, I think teams maybe, but I would say 75% of the people keep their camera off and that's just normal. Sometimes he's in a call and there's zero people on camera and everyone's in a while there'd be like some random guy on camera and everyone else isn't, um, just from like walking by and he talking, him talking about it. Um, but I was teaching online and everything was camera, um, always, but they, with the teaching online, they had the expectation that you would be like up in front and that you'd be smiling and that you'd have makeup on so that they can see your lips do well, cause we're teaching English and pronunciation and it made people like kind of self-conscious that, you know, like, I don't want to, um, look like a normal person, like sneeze or anything, because, um, you know, there could be a screenshot (laughs) of me looking dumb. I, I saw a snippet of my own self, um, YouTube the other day, you know, sometimes I'll play like a, I don't know, five second clip of like a preview of a video and they picked YouTube randomly picked a very unflattering five seconds of me, (laughs) three necks, I think. So yeah. And do you ever, did you get kind of zoom fatigue from having to be in front of people like that? I felt like when I was teaching and I was on camera, literally 40 hours a week, it was like, I was performing all the time. So it's one thing to be just sitting in a meeting. Um, I mean, like this is a conversation. I'm conscious of the fact that we are publishing the video for the people that want to see that. Um, but I know that most of our listeners are listening through, um, audio means. Uh, so I'm, I think after a few recordings, I started to realize, no, I can just go ahead and scratch my nose. I don't need to edit that out. Like just be normal. Um, scratching my knee right now. <laughs> uh, so I didn't really have the same kind of zooms as maybe a lot of like business people did. Cause I've been, um, but I'm a people person. So for yeah. me, I looked forward to the conversations, like having the podcast or having a client or something like that. That was something that I've, um, you know, I missed during the pandemic. I missed seeing my friends. And so I liked that, but my husband on the other hand was thankful that he didn't have to put the camera on. Yeah. I was, um, I worked for, for about a year at a content marketing agency running sales. And so I was doing like sales calls all the time. Mm -hmm. And those are very like on, I mean, you are, it's not just having a conversation. I mean, you yeah. are, I was casual. Um, mm-hmm. but at the same time, I was very conscious that, you know, I'm portraying the company a certain way, right, right. services in a certain way. So I would get done. I was just exhausted. It is and, really exhausting. Yeah. And now that I'm uh, a freelancer, I really limit the number of calls that I'm willing to take mm-hmm. per day. And I like use my Calendly to control that because yeah. I just, I don't want to be talk. I like, I, I enjoy conversations. I don't want to ruin it by being on a ton of them in one day. Right. So I use, I don't use Calendly. I use acuity scheduling. Is that right? Um, but it has the thing where you could have your whole calendar open, but then once you get two 
things booked, it closes your calendar for yep. the rest of the day. Yeah. That is a really nice feature. Yeah. Uh, because otherwise, you know, and how much buffer time I have in between yep. meetings, if I want buffer time, I mm-hmm. have all of those things that, because I, I like having like that control over while well, also like when people see me, you know, what right. time of day. And frankly, for me, when I was trying to do back to back to backs, sometimes I would just get confused later. Like, who did I talk to? What did they say? Um, like when I try to even write the show notes for my podcast, or when I saw like eight students in a row and I needed to write my notes, my reports afterward, if I didn't take really good notes during the call, it would just get confusing. Yeah. Um, I've become a big fan of, uh, recording all calls now. Mm -hmm. Like, even Mm -hmm. if it's just like a chat with somebody, because Mm -hmm. otherwise I say, oh yeah, I, I will follow up with you later. And I have another call right after that. And then at least I can go back and look at the transcript and just say, oh yeah, I was going to, I was going to do that. What do you use for your transcript? So it depends. Most of the time I use a tool called Otter, That's uh, which transcribes to. in real time. Mm-hmm. Um, when I'm working in journalism, I use a tool called uh, Temi just because the transcript is just a little bit better than mm-hmm. Otter. So I'll, I'll record and then upload the recording to Temi and it's paid. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but I, it's more accurate. And when I need a direct quote, it's better for that. Good to know. I pay Otter. <laughs> I, yeah, I pay um, Otter too, but and it's still I, not amazing, but it's useful. And actually the reason I like it the most, um, or the reason I've, I've kept it is mostly just because I can do a keyword search that if I remember either one of us said something, I can usually keyword search it enough to find the spot so I can listen to it again. Even if it, even if the transcript is a little crappy. Yeah. I, yes, I love it. I've Otter joins, you know, all of my calls and, or when I miss the beginning of a call, it'll join for me. Um, I actually found out yesterday talking to somebody cause he had his own recording tool that was going to join and he kicked his out of the meeting. And I'm like, Oh, why? I don't care. And he said, well, he found out that if you have two transcript tools that are on and he and I both leave the two tools will stay in and talk to each or basically like they think that there's somebody still there. Oh my god. And so they'll just keep going like in perpetuity. I was oh like, oh well, that's an interesting uh technology problem. I guess you're that definitely, nobody's really figured out. You're more advanced with that than I am because I just basically save my audio and then I upload it later. So I don't have them joining the calls. Yeah, my otter, I have it just automatically um join calls. And then like I'm supposed to attend a webinar tomorrow. And it's a little iffy whether I'll be able to do that because I'm mm-hmm. trying to finish something for a client. If I don't, it'll join the call for me and it'll record it. So if mm-hmm. the company decides for whatever reason that they're not going to publish the video later or whatever, mm-hmm. I'll still be able to go back and listen if I choose. I was trying to use Otter in a very rudimentary way when I first was introduced to it. I didn't realize that you could just import audio and get like a really clean recording. I was actually making my computer. This is embarrassing for me to say publicly, but I would actually play the feedback, like play it back through the speaker and let Otter listen to it and, and record again. Um, so it was like, you know, if my kid walked into the room while it was recording, it would catch capture that as well. I still Um, do that. I do that. Like, like, well, if there's like a YouTube, um, not YouTube, but maybe like a video clip and I can't, I can't get the file to like Mm. put in Otter and I can't get the link or something. Mm -hmm. I'm like, or I'm just listening to something on a TV show. I don't know. And I'm like, Oh, I just, that's a really cool quote. I just want to like grab that real quick. Mm-hmm. I'll just, I'll just like pull out of my phone and record it. So I'm with you. Okay. I then I don't that. feel quite as silly, but yeah, there's um, all kinds of reasons to do that. I realized that later, once I was able to just import the audio file without it having to be listening to the ambience of the room as well, um, that I got slightly better in transcripts. So yeah. Well, you have a lot of stories to tell. Um, thank you for filling out the guest entry or interest form. Um, and because you did that, I know that I need to give you some floor time to just tell some of your stories. So why don't you go back to, um, you want to talk about you or your husband's work first? Let's, let's start. Maybe let's start with mine and like how okay. I, I intro, like, like my intro to remote work. So you worked from home before he did long before he did. Okay. I started, I started in 2006. Mm-hmm. He started in 2016. Okay. So both so, of us predate the pandemic. We've both mm-hmm. been remote far longer. Um, 
and have been working at home together for quite some time as well. Mm -hmm. But uh, my, my remote work uh, was far, far before he was. Were you together back when you started in 2006? Yes. So that'll be part of this story. All right. You just start talking. I'll ask questions to fill um, in. So I, uh, I graduated from college. I'm going to date myself. I graduated from college in December of 2005 and I got a job at this FinTech, um, that started in February of 2006. And between those two dates, my husband and I got married. So we got married in January. So I like graduated from college and like a month later we got married. And then two weeks after that, I started this job. Oh, so it was kind of like when they talk about the top 10 stressors in life, you hit like like, like one month. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I'd actually secured the job in November before I graduated. Um, and I'd been interviewing and so they knew I was graduating. They knew I was getting married. So they delayed my start date till February one. So, um, so he, my husband was not done with school yet. And, um, I, he couldn't transfer the job. I was living in Wisconsin or we were both living in Wisconsin and the job was in Kansas. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, it was a great job. It was a great opportunity for me. It was at a tech company. Um, I couldn't find anything like that locally. Um, but he couldn't transfer to a university in Kansas because he was so close to being done that he would have lost so many credits. Mm-hmm. So, um, I moved without him. Uh, I was a newlywed and we just said, you know, it's not going to be forever. He's just got a year left of school. I'm just going to go. So literally, um, you know, got married, honeymoon, and then like packed up and I moved from Wisconsin to Kansas. And so my, my job required extensive travel. I was traveling about 50% of the time on site to banks and credit unions all over the country. Um, and then on weekends I would drive, um, back to Wisconsin. I would leave on Friday at 5 PM after work was done. I would drive four hours to Des Moines, Iowa. I'd stay in the cheapest hotel I could find, sleep for a little bit, wake up the next morning, finish the drive back to Wisconsin and get about an hour or a day with him. 24 I was, hours. I was raised Eight in hours. Minnesota. So I know Iowa and Wisconsin. I went to school in Wisconsin. So what part of Kansas and what part of Wisconsin were you going to? Topeka, Kansas. And then, um, I live, we lived in West lacrosse, Wisconsin, which is right on the border to Minnesota. Okay. And to pick yep. up is not on the border, right? No, it, that's no, a ways in. <laughs> yeah. So it is. Yeah. Enough. So it was an eight hour drive. Wow. Um, and then on, you know, I'd spend about a day with him and then on Sunday I would leave around noon and drive the entire eight hours back. So that got old really fast, especially because I was also traveling for work on top of that. Mm. Um, and it was easier for me to travel because, he was in school. And so he was trying to like study and stuff. So he couldn't take eight know, hours 16, on the road, 16 hours on the weekend to drive. So I started looking for another job and I found one at another tech company in South Dakota, which would have cut my drive in half from eight hours to four. And I was like, well, that's, that's way better. I could make, you know, get home on a Friday night and things like that. Sioux so Falls, Sioux Falls, South Dakota. had to cross Minnesota. I think it would, yeah, it would have been just straight across Minnesota. Okay. To, yeah. Um, so I, I turned in my two weeks notice, um, at the company that I was at. And I said, you know, I, this is the reason I'm, I'm just going to go to this other company. And so I was sitting in an airport. I was, uh, headed to Montana to go to a client site and I was checking my email and there was an email from the, the chief operating officer of the company. She said, I understand you've gotten another job. Okay. And I, I want to give you a counter offer. She said, you know, we'll give you a raise. And we'll let you work from home. And she said, I know this other job's going to get you closer to home, but I'm going to let you be home. Wow. And I called my husband and I said, I'm coming home. So, and I did. So I'd only been at the company for six months and I moved back to Wisconsin. Um, back then the technology was very different. Like clients had to call me at my house. Basically, mm-hmm. there was no way to really um, get a hold yeah. of me any other way. We still had landlines. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I had a, a, we put in a phone line just for clients to call me. Um, mm-hmm. and I, I just, we moved, I mean, my husband, and I moved eventually to Madison, Wisconsin, and now we're in Illinois, mm-hmm. but each time it was kind of like, I'm, I'm moving. And then the company went fully remote with all employees in 2010, four years nice. later. Um, and you were like the 
I don't know. Had a test case, I guess. Yes. <laughs> a little bit. Teaching was, everyone how to do this. Yeah. There was one other employee that was remote. Um, he was the sales rep. So his role was very different. Um, and I was in the implementation part of the software. Um, so, you know, company went fully remote and I ended up staying with that company, um, for 15 years. I left in 2021, um, during oh, wow. the, during you the pandemic. You even made it through the first half of the pandemic. Uh, so I was the, the beginning part of the great resignation, as we all know it now. Yep. Um, so right at the beginning of 2021 in January, um, I quit and I didn't okay. have anything else lined up yet. I'd been looking, um, and I had, I was actually an executive role at the company at that point. Um, but I had it. I, um, there were some toxic things about the company and, um, you know, remote work is great, but it can't fix, you know, underlying problems with the company culture. Um, and so, uh, I think the pandemic really exacerbated that, you know, (laughs) my tolerance for some of that went pretty much to zero, um, with having my kids home from school Mm -hmm. and all of that. I'm like, I I can't, I can't take this anymore. Um, so I was like, bye. <laughs> we'll find another job. I think January, 2021 is when I pulled my kids from school and we just, I said, screw it. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to homeschool like- for five months or whatever. <laughs> yeah. I just, you know, like, I think everyone yeah. was just tired at that point. And I think parents really were at very much a breaking point. Yeah. Um, with, with, you know, our school really blessed the teachers. They really tried very, very hard. Um, and, but there was just, only so much they could do and they had to rely on parents to help. And, you know, I had a demanding job and, um, you know, a CEO who didn't quite understand why some things were very hard for parents. Um, so I just, I, I said, I'm going to find something else. I feel like that was just true in like many facets of life, you know, friends and family, social networks, everything. There's just, you know, there's some fractures that are going to take a long time to heal. And I think there was just a lot of movement during that time. I think we've moved schools twice now since then, Oh wow! you know, just trying to find the right balance. Now, you know, we, we were in a good place before, and then we needed the place to be during, and now we need a place for after. And it's just, it is what it is. I think what you need changed. A lot of people's needs changed. And they, um, for me, it was kind of really like recognizing what I need and mm-hmm. saying, I'm going to go find that thing. But to be honest, I mean, I think we've changed too. Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. So you've had children during your remote work experience as I have too. So, yes. um, how many children did you end up with? I have, uh, three. Okay. Um, me too. and I, and so I was, you know, um, working remotely before, before they were born. And, um, and so my, my oldest is, uh, 13. So he was born in, uh, 2009. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I was several years into remote work at that yep. point. Yeah. My oldest is 12 and I had been remote working for about two and a half years before I had her. Yeah. I think it helps. Cause at least you've got some stuff figured out with working right. from home before you try to figure out how to work from home. I'm, I'm assuming you had normal business hours, especially since you were in the FinTech where I was doing some like third shift hours to, to work while my kids were sleeping. So I did until the company went fully remote in 2010. So when that happened, um, the company actually adopt, adopted a model called results only, which meant you work whatever hours you want. Doesn't matter as long as your job gets done. To some extent, certain people that had customer-facing responsibilities did need to meet with customers during, you know, bankers yeah. work for, bankers work from nine to five. Right. Um, but uh, everybody did have the choice to start work early, work late, not work at all one day if you just didn't feel like it. Um, and that really changed because my son was a year old at the time, mm-hmm. and I had been working, and he was in daycare but I had been working very traditional hours, which was mm-hmm. hard. You know, he'd be sick for a day and then nothing gets done. Yep. Um, suddenly when, you know, when the company went to this kind of results only model, um, that became a lot easier. You know, I could, you know, pick him up from daycare at three 30 or something like that. And it just, it didn't yeah. matter. Um, mm-hmm. and everybody had that flexibility. My husband was in school for the first seven years of our marriage, finishing one graduate program and starting another, and we basically adjusted our calendar and my sleep schedule every semester. 
based on when he was doing graduate teaching. And then we'd have like a part-time nanny for sometimes 12, sometimes 20 hours a week, just depending on if I was sleeping four hours a day or five hours a day. Um, Because sometimes I only could sleep when the nanny was there. Um, But then the nanny was in school. And so we'd have to, you know, factor in her new school schedule every um, semester. And let's just say I was very flexible in my sleeping habits for a few years. <laughs> um, I think right now is like the first time in 13 years I've slept at night. Like an oh, old wow. person. Yeah. Um, but sometimes I still do my best work at night, um, which is kind of scary for me because I think I got used to working without the distractions. And like when the family is up and around, I am more likely to want to engage in conversation and checking on this or that and jumping up and fixing that or eating that. Um, and at night I was in a groove and I just, that was my 13 years of, you know, history of getting stuff done. So it's, it's a transition. You're the opposite of me. Um, I'm an early, early person and that happened because of the pandemic, because that was Mm -hmm. the only time I could really get uninterrupted work time was Mm -hmm. to get up before everybody. Yeah. Um, so I was trying, you know, I couldn't get, you know, that focus time that I needed for work during Mm -hmm. the day, because, you know, I'd get an email from the teacher that one of my kids had forgotten to join zoom music class. And so I had to, I had to do something, you know, I I was constantly getting up or getting somebody a snack or saying, are you supposed to be in class right now? Or where are your pants or things like that? So, Mm -hmm. um, (laughs) I, uh, so I started getting up very early uh, to get that time. And now How early, just, um, three 30 AM. Oh yeah. No, I've done it because when I was teaching the kids in China, I was getting up at like 2 AM, 3 AM, 5 AM yeah. was considered sleeping in. Yeah. Um, and so sometimes I do that. I'll sometimes I'll work late and sometimes I'll just wake up at like 4 AM to start working. Yeah. Now it just happens naturally, but then I'm asleep by 8 PM. So are you still doing funny. that? I still Three. do that now. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Just on, on, I, I got so used to it and I found that I really enjoyed the quiet of the morning. Mm-hmm. Um, so even though now I work for myself and I could do whatever I want, I still just really cherish like that time. It's just me and my cat <laughs> like, yeah. or one of, one of my cats. Um, so, you know, and it makes it, I think, um, easier to kind of flex my time during the day, mm-hmm. um, because I can just work in small chunks and mm-hmm. I've already gotten a bulk of my work done for the day. I think this is a good segue to talk about how many hours a week are you working? Not a lot, probably about 20 to 25. Um, and I only work four days a week. Uh, I work Monday through Thursday. Sometimes I'll do kind of business related stuff on Friday, but no client work and no client meetings on Fridays on purpose on purpose. Yep. My Calendly does not allow anything to be scheduled on Fridays. So when I asked Anna, um, if she works full time, she said, yes, 25 hours a week. And I want to just go into that a little bit. You want to talk about that? Yeah. And I, maybe oddly or not, but that's kind of a leftover of, um, the company I worked for that focused on results only. Mm -hmm. Um, because some weeks were very busy, you know, um, and I had, uh, sometimes more than 40 hours, but there were other weeks where it was very light, you know, summers were a good example of that. There just wasn't as much going on. Um, and the company didn't care. They didn't measure work in hours and there was no guilt about that. So I got used to, if I don't have, if I've done my work for the week, I'm done, I'm free. I can do whatever Mm -hmm. I want. Um, so actually when I left that company, um, and went into content marketing and worked for agencies for a while, um, that was a big shift because all of a sudden I was back to everybody else having this mindset that a full week was 40 hours. I'm like, well, I don't think that way. And I don't operate that way. Mm -hmm. If I get my work done, I'm going to go do something else. Um, company was for fully remote. I got my work done. Mm -hmm. Um, and I just kind of flexed my time, (laughs) whether they knew it or not. I mean, right. But, you know, and now I'm like, I know how much work I can handle with clients. I know how much time it takes me. I schedule myself in a particular way and I'm able to earn the living that I want and not feel like I'm working myself to death. And so part of that's that, you know, tech geek of me that I do a lot of things in the background to automate tasks and stuff like that. But part of that's just setting limits. I think about how much I want to work. 
Right. I feel like a lot of the newer tech startups have had a lot of flexibility for their employees. Um, partially some, some of them are international, um, Absolutely. you know, or asynchronous communication and, you know, communicating across four time zones, which is different than an office setting. Um, there have been quite a few companies that I've heard of, um, and even applied to, uh, that are offering unlimited PTO, but you know, that sometimes it's like with strings attached, you know, or there's like a, a level of trust, you know, <laughs> yeah. um, but sometimes that trust, you know, goes really far away. And then people are, you know, going to produce because they want to prove that they're getting their work done. So I worked in an unlimited PTO. My results only place is also unlimited PTO. Mm-hmm. And I will say, um, it was really skewed, unfortunately, um, because I was a manager at that point. It was very easy for me to take time off. It was not easy for, it was a small company. Not everybody had like an obvious backup person that could help cover if they were away. Sure. And so without kind of systems in place to like, say, if you, you take the unlimited PTO and we will figure out how to cover for you, if it's like, well, you have to figure out for how to cover for yourself. Sometimes that's not possible. And so mm. people just don't take the time off, which is, I mean, I probably took five weeks off a year. Um, you know, you have kids with school, like they're right. You know, there's spring break, there's fall break, there's summer, I, all kinds of stuff. So, um, I feel bad about that. Looking back on it now mm-hmm. that that wasn't a fair system. Right. Um, the last content agency I was at had four, four weeks of PTO. Um, and very firmly said, we will figure it out. This is not your job to figure out how to cover this while you're gone, which was great. But because I'd been taking more (laughs) of what I was, when I had unlimited, I felt like that was a little stifling. Like kids have tons of school days or there's like a teacher in service or, you know, I need two days off to cover parent teacher conferences when they don't have Mm -hmm. school and things like that. So I was burning through all of that time as well. So I don't have a right answer for like, I just want to take us. I just want to take off as much time as I want. So one of the things that we've learned from switching schools a few times is that every school handles that sort of thing, like the in-service days and the parent-teacher conferences days differently. Um, mm-hmm. Our original charter school, we'd have to take off more time. It's lots of half days. Um, oh, that's hard. And early release. And then um, last year's school, they had every Wednesday, ever, was it every, every Wednesday was like early release by one hour or something like that. And then our new school, they don't take those days off. We just have longer breaks and, um, we don't have half days. Um, very, very rare occasion. I think very, very, very rare. Um, and even like leading right up to Christmas time, um, December 22nd was still a full day, but then we didn't, but then we didn't return back until January 10th. Um, so we have two weeks for fall, two weeks for spring and like two weeks for uh, winter break. So, and that's hard when companies aren't, you know, even if they're remote, if they're not flexible about it, that, that that's hard to kind of manage that much time with the kids or, and also preserve your sanity in the process. So. Yeah. Um, thankfully my husband's parents have been, have made a new tradition in the last two years, I think of coming to visit during one of those breaks um, either spring or fall, which allows one or both of us to at least work part of that time. And then we'll take a few days off to be with everyone. Um, but yeah, working, I, I actually have a part-time job now with our school system. Um, I work for an adult education program two days a week. And then my husband has his regular job. Um, but that means that when my kids are on break, I'm on break. Oh, that's nice. And then I can do my extra stuff, you know, my work from home projects, you know, yeah. From home. (laughs) Yeah. So yeah. This year we had almost the same as your Christmas break. So they were in school. I think their first day of break was the 22nd. It was that Friday before Christmas mm-hmm. this year. They didn't go back till the ninth. So they had like two, what, 17 days if I had it on the calendar yeah. for how much time. Um, so my husband and I, he took um, his PTO expired at the end of the year. So he mm-hmm. took a bunch of time off mm-hmm. um, before December 31st. Yep. Um, and then I took some off as well and just told my clients, like, I will see you in January. Yeah. Um, and that's probably what we're going to have to continue to do. 
So you have the flexibility that you can control. Like you could stack some of your clients a little tighter leading Mm -hmm. up and then give yourself a longer break. Um, So it sounds similar where I have more freedom than my husband does, but his company says, use it or lose it. So if you don't use your PTO, it's not going to roll over. We were talking earlier about that culture where people are like, you know, they're they're used to working 40 hours a week. Um, and like, you know, they're rewarded for being hardworking. Um, one of my previous jobs in the past in office setting, they didn't do the use it or lose it thing. So people would literally have hundreds of hours of PTO stacked up. Um, and they just sell it. They wouldn't take their time off. And so I appreciate the work culture where they do encourage you to take what you need um, or at least use your PTO that they give you. Yeah. The company that I was at that gave four weeks of PTO, it was basically use it or lose it as well. They're like, we were giving you four weeks. We want you to take those four weeks during the year. Absolutely. Tell us a little bit about your husband's job change recently. Yeah. So, you, you know, he, he's been working, um, from home since 2016. Uh, we actually worked together for four years uh, at the same company. Oh, wow. Um, uh, yeah. Uh, that was his first, uh, foray into fully remote work, uh, was coming to work, uh, at the FinTech that I was at. I was the product manager and he was a software engineer. Nice. Um, but he, uh, eventually took a different opportunity at a healthcare company, uh, during the pandemic. And the company had not been remote prior. Um, And so when he took the job, he's in 2020, he said, are you going to stay remote or like, what's the deal here and there? Like, we have no idea. It was August of 2020. They're like, we literally have no idea how this could all shake out. So he's Mm -hmm. like, fine. He was fine. Well, about a year later, they were like, you know what? We would like you to come back, come into the office three days a week. And we don't live anywhere (laughs) near where it is. We're in the suburb of Chicago. Like it would have been probably at least 45 minutes commute each way, at least, uh, without traffic. Do not recommend. I've done that. No. In no. winter he, weather. No, no. And he had done it before, you know, before he'd worked remotely, he had to sometimes go into downtown Chicago. And so he, he said, um, he's like, is there any room for negotiation on this? They're like, no, we want you in the office a couple of days a week. Cause they have, you know, expensive real estate they're paying couple for or, or, th- <laughs> or three, because there's a big difference. <laughs> I think it was, I think it was like two to three. It was like, you know, at least two, probably three. So he started looking for another job um, and he's a software engineer, high demand field. So he found one within a couple of weeks um, with a company that said, we will be remote forever. Um, And they were in St. Louis. There was no way he would be going into the office. So he knew that the, uh, that they were committed to that. So um, he, (laughs) He told his employer that he had gotten a new job and they were like, oh, we'll let you work from home. <laughs> and, <laughs> um, you know, Way to take it, it back, took him, I know. And he's, well, I mean, at that point, do you trust them? Like, what if they say like, oh, can you just come in this one day? Or can you just come in for this one meeting? And he's like, you had your chance. I asked you if that was negotiable and you said, no, like, what did you think was going to happen? Yeah. So really funny on the side, I posted on LinkedIn about this. I said, you know, my husband's employer told him to come back and his response was, no, I'm going to find something else. And part of the reason that I wrote about was it's better for our our family. We were so used to at that point, being able to flex between both parents, Mm -hmm. juggling the kids, helping out and things like that. Like if he had started commuting, you know, he wouldn't be home in time for dinner. You'd have to leave early in the morning stuff like that. And like our, our family life has been built around both of us being remote. Mm-hmm. So I said, you know, he found another job easily. You can too, was basically the moral of that post, but it went, um, insanely viral on LinkedIn, like 4 million people saw it and people reached out to me because I think that message and that story resonated with absolutely a lot of people. Like there are other options out there. You don't have to go back into the office. Now, since that time, things have tanked in the tech world and 2022 is very rough and it continues to be with all the layoffs and stuff, big layoffs, big layoffs. Um, you know, my industry and the type of clients that I work with have been hit very, very hard. Um, but I think that that type of, um, message still resonates with people and maybe even more so as they're watching companies kind of callously lay people off, they're like, I'm going to do what's best for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and what's best for me is maybe going to be finding another, a different job. And maybe it's not finding another job right now because the job market is brutal, but 
to kind of keep that in the back of their mind that there are other options and I can find a company that is willing to support remote flexible work. Yeah, I think that with a great resignation and people more or less demanding, they're like, hey, we can do this work from home. And if you're not going to let us, we'll find someone that will. Um, definitely has made the remote work jobs higher in demand, like harder to, <laughs> it's more competitive is what I'm trying to say. Um, and leaving some of the in-person jobs more available, maybe? Probably. Um I saw something just the other day, a quote from the CEO of Morgan Stanley, I think. And he said something like, well, you don't get to pick your salary and you don't get to pick when you get promoted. So why should you get to pick where you want to work? And he wants everybody back in the office two to three days a week. It's like, but you do get to pick. You can go somewhere else. And so, you know, the market work itself out that way. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Um, Were there any other repercussions from your LinkedIn uh, article? Uh, yeah, I ended up being interviewed for, um, ABC news, Australia, an Australian broadcasting company. (laughs) I ended up, I ended up with a ton of inbound inquiries. People are like, oh, well, you could write this LinkedIn post. Can you write something for, you know, so a lot of interest in just me, you know, hiring me as a writer and things like that. Yeah. Um, very unexpected. Like everybody talks about like, what's it like to go viral? It's kind of insane. It was actually really intense. And I was a little stressed out for a couple Mm -hmm. of weeks. Mm -hmm. Um, but I think that story um, needed to be told. And a lot of people maybe had done it and not talked about it. Mm. To, to change, to just, oh yeah. And, and I think also not a lot of people maybe talk about quitting, um, but I don't, I think what was different was just, you know, how my husband and I have made this our lives and, and that and we're able to be as flexible as we are because we're mm-hmm. both, we're both remote. Mm -hmm. Um, and that we're not going to accept anything different, you know? So, you know, he could have, he does, he actually probably wouldn't have minded going into the office. Like he's, he doesn't mind being around people, but I was like, do you know how much more work that's going to make for me? Oh yeah. (laughs) If you, if you go at the office, like how much it's going to be much bigger and that's not fair to me, to my work to, you know, so, Mm -hmm. um, it was just a decision that we made like for our family that we're going to, we're going to both be remote. I have a friend who hasn't interviewed on my podcast. Um, hopefully maybe someday will, but when he was told to go back to the office three days a week, he was just like, mm-hmm, and didn't, and no one said anything and he doesn't talk about it and they don't talk about it. And no one made a big deal of it. Um, when my husband was asked to go back in three days a week, he did. Um, it is about a 20, 25 minute drive. Um, there's, definitely pros to him being home more. Um, we were sick a lot. Um, November, December, January. I mean, I think we had COVID yeah. and strep throat twice and like, oh my just, you know, all the things and like some barfing flu here and some fever and diarrhea, you know, like it was just, it's just how it was. And I think everyone's immune system is trying to recover, you know, realign. <laughs> um, and so, but thankfully his employer is like, but if you need to work from home for some reason, you can. So he just tells his manager, I'm going to work from home today and no, no questions asked really. Um, I kind of wish it was more often, <laughs> but oh well. I love the, I love the friend that's just like, yeah, I'm just not going to do that. Let's just see what happens because I mean, it is, is it a threat? Is it a real threat? Like, are you actually going to get fired if you don't show up? Because it's hard to find I know. good people too. Like, like good, re- good luck hiring somebody. Training new people and replacing, you know, people who leave is extremely expensive. I can't remember what the figures are. I, I should probably read more research studies, but I think it's like maybe more than a year's worth of income. Yeah. I've seen numbers like more than a year. I've seen like sometimes two and a half times. Yeah. yeah. Um, so if you, between like someone... lost product, between like lost productivity and ramping mm-hmm. that person up and all the recruiting costs yeah. that you have, I have to pay. It's, very expensive. Absolutely. So it's better to keep good workers. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's some positions, like I would say that even if he were able to go in one day a week, that would meet the needs, you know? Yeah. Well, whatever. <laughs> exactly. Um, we actually went viral, uh, a long time ago, there was a giraffe that was going to give birth. And then everyone was like waiting for like a month. Do you remember April? The giraffe? I do. I do remember. April so my giraffe. name is April. Yes. <laughs> And so my husband made the silliest little, it was, I think six seconds, um, video. He just took like a toy giraffe and another toy giraffe. And he basically pretended that the big giraffe gave birth to the small one. He's like, you can all go to bed now. 
<laughs> and we were on like two different news networks with that. Like it was, it was like 5 million views within a few days. And um, we tried to make a t-shirt about it and nobody bought that, but, um, but I know what you mean. Like it's, it can be really intense for a few yeah, days. Cause it doesn't stop. Like the comments, I had to finally like leave the comments alone on yeah. LinkedIn because there was no, and some people were really mean about it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, some people were like, well, your husband shouldn't have quit his job. The boss has the right to demand anything they want. I'm like, well, mm-hmm. sure. And he left. So like, you now don't they have had- to, you don't have to stay. <laughs> you don't have to stay. So, and there was, so there were a few trolls and I was just, but I couldn't keep up with the comments and yeah. I was trying to engage with people because mm-hmm. I was interested in the conversation. But at some point I was like, I can't, we're 1800 comments in now. I can't keep up yeah. with all of them. Um, well, what are you doing now? So I, I, because I have a lot of interests and I can't just pick one thing in my mm-hmm. life. Um, I do a lot of uh, writing for um, tech companies. Uh, so mostly FinTech, cause that's my area of expertise, a couple other companies, still a journalist. I write for a magazine. Um, and then I, I work with um, mostly freelancers, solopreneurs, and small businesses who want to just like automate their work in some way. Um, so that's so not that, writing. That's automation. That's automation. It's like yeah. not writing at all, not writing at all. And um, years ago when I was at the FinTech that I worked for, we had all of these different tools, all these different technologies and like nothing talked to each other. Mm-hmm. Like none of all the tools were separate. And I'd heard of this tool called Zapier, which basically connects different systems in the background. And I'm like, I'm just gonna play with it. I was, and I tried it. I was like, this is amazing. Like just one simple thing, like moving one piece of information from like the customer support ticketing system over into like the development tool and just mm-hmm. not having to like do that manually. It would mm-hmm. just do it automatically. I'm like, this is cool. Um, so eventually I started setting up more things like that, more complex things and started using it for myself. And now um, very much use it as a freelancer to manage my own work. But then I help um, other people who have a similar needs or just are interested in like, how can I make my life less convoluted? So, right. So if, if you do this one thing, then Zapier will make this other thing happen and you only had to do one thing. Yeah. So, um, for example, like if a client requests, um, an article from me, I have a form, either they fill it out or I fill it out. Depends. But then Zapier, um, adds a task to my task list for me with the tool that I use, uh, when it's due creates the Google doc for me in the client's folder. Like that's just something I would have to do anyway. It doesn't take a lot of time, but when you're talking about over and over and over and over, you know, it just keeps everything organized for me. So I just have it all set up to kind of manage that work, all that manual stuff I'd otherwise have to do. About how many hours a week are you spending on your writing versus the automation Zapier stuff? Probably about 80 to 85% writing right now, about 15%. Um, because a lot of the automation stuff is very like one-time setup type, mm-hmm. you know, helping somebody for like a short period of time, I get them set up. I'm like, you're good to go. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you're, you're, awesome. I don't, we don't have to touch it again. Um, and then the writing, I have a lot of recurring work with clients. Um, and, and so I'm not sure if it'll always stay that way. Maybe it'll do a little more, you know, maybe get it more to 50, 50 at some point. Um, but I also have a newsletter. And so I do stuff that is just interesting to me as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's, I don't consider that necessarily part of my business, even though it benefits my business, but right. it's, just something, it's just stuff I, it's work I enjoy. Uh, and then how many times a week are you face-to-face with your clients, either interviewing people or helping them set up? Um, maybe two, maybe two client meetings a week. Okay. A lot of my writing clients, I don't need to meet with them very mm-hmm. often um, because I've been working with them for a while. Um, I do take uh, calls with prospective clients because a lot of my work uh, is ad hoc uh, since I do a lot of journalism and ghostwriting. Um so I, you know, I might have one t- sales type call per week. Um, some of the automation stuff I do via Loom. Um, somebody mm-hmm. will re- record, like, I'm like, show me what, show me what your problems are. Yep. Just, just go through all of the things that you're doing manually now, record it for me, talk me through it. Yep. And then I'll kind of review it, write up some recommendations and then meet with the person to talk about it. So that's cool. Um, not, you know, 
some meetings are busier than others, um, but mm-hmm. not, not a ton of meetings during the week. But during the loom means that you can communicate with them back later when you have time. It's asynchronous. It's not, you don't have to schedule a meeting. You send me this, I'll reply to you. Yeah. And, and so I'll, I've done both. I've done like live, you know, if like you want to talk through what my recommendations are, or um, I will also record a loom and like, I'll type up a Google doc and say, this is what I'd recommend. And I'll verbally kind of walk through that as well and send that loom back. Um, but then, you know, if they end up hiring me to actually set up the automation as well, I don't need, I don't need FaceTime for that. They just have to kind of let me into their system. And I set all that up. All right. Okay, cool. Um, let's see, you are tech savvy. Um, you've mentioned Loom, Zapier, a few other things. Um, what other tools are, are in your tool belt right now that you've discovered along your 16 years of journey working from home? Uh, let's see. What are some of my favorites? Um, I use Trello for project mm-hmm. management. Um, I really like, uh, just visually how it's set up. Um, but I've used other project management tools as well. So mm-hmm. there are a lot of them out there, but I feel like, um, for the type of work that most freelancers do, they typically need some kind of project management tool. Yeah. Um, I use Airtable as my basically a central repository of everything. So I've got like my list of clients in there, like, how do they, how do I invoice them? Is it monthly? Is it after the deliverable? Like how much are they paying me? So all of that's built out. Um, that's kind of like my single source of truth, <laughs> I guess, for everything. Um, I use Todoist as an actual to-do list. So a little bit different than Trello. Um, is that an older one? I think I used that to That is use... an older one. Yeah. Okay. I've been using it for nine years. Like mm-hmm. Todoist sent me like a little congratulations note one time. Oh, nice. <laughs> but I actually was like a delinquent user for like five years. I barely touched it. I think the one that I was using was actually called Tada. There oh, I remember s- that. Similar. Yeah. Ta-da. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So to-do list, I think to I do, maybe to do it. Yeah. And what's interesting about that one is I have a shared to do to do list with my husband. Mm-hmm. So I can put stuff in there and assign them to him. Cause he's not good at like if I verbally tell him, he won't remember. But if it's like written down, he mm-hmm. will remember and he can get like a little di- digest of things or I can say, look at your to-do list. And so whether or not how people feel about that, that, that works for us. Um, yeah. so he, um, so one of my lists is shared with him. Mm-hmm. Um, but I put stuff like, you know, annually remember to go to the OBGYN and that is right. a recur, a recurring reminder yeah. to do for myself. So I don't forget that I have to you know schedule mm-hmm. that every year. So I'm really, um, kind of work. I like to keep things organized like that. I like recurring reminders for a lot of things. I just honestly use my Apple calendar for some of those things. Cause I would forget without reminders and alerts. Yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, those are some of my favorites. Calendly. We already talked about getting, being able to schedule my calendar. Right. Right. You, um, and I have one thing in common. We've both worked for a variety of different kinds of organizations. Do you want to like summarize some of your feelings about like the pros and cons of like working for the bigger and the smaller and yourself, like ups and downs? Yeah. So FinTech, you know, unlimited PTO, fully remote, um, 25 employees. And, you know, we talked about the, the kind of downsides of unlimited PTO, like it, it kind of protects people or it's easier for people who have more power to, to benefit from that. But mm-hmm. the unlimited flexibility was really nice, especially for um, parents or illness or anything like that. Um, then I went to a content marketing agency that had 130 global. Um, so very async. Um, that was new to me. Um, mm-hmm. Kind of the expectation was you work 40 hours a week, but like I never really did that, um, whether they knew it or not. Um, and, uh, fixed, you know, four weeks a year, uh, paid time off, um, very difficult to source backup help. Um, so even in 130, I needed to basically find coverage for myself if I wanted to take Mm -hmm. time off for my clients. So that was hard, but that was my first real introduction to like async, like Mm -hmm. truly, you know, communicating with people across like halfway around the world. Um, that I went to a very tiny content marketing agency, 12 employees that worked mostly synchronously, um, but only worked four days a week, like a fixed four day week, Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, four plus weeks off per year. 
But what was really difficult for me was after being in like a fully um, do whatever you want and then really async to go back to a real to a four day very synchronous week. It was like I'm working eight to four, whatever. Mm-hmm. And that was very hard for me. Mm-hmm. Um, even though I tried to kind of flex my time as much as I could, like everybody else was on at that time. Right. Um, and so um, even though I did a lot of work, you know, in the mornings and things like that as I wanted, that um was a very difficult shift for me um and a very small company. So uh eventually and I was running sales, I was on meetings all the time. So that's eventually where it's kind of like I now I'm just doing my own thing and you know now I have more control over my time than than I ever You're did. still more or less working four days a week. I am. Yeah. I got that was a very nice perk. I will say that. Um because that Friday really became like my catch up day. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to go grocery shopping. I'm going to go to yoga. Like that Make was your appointments. I'm going to do every, you know, get to the doctor. I yeah. got, I absolutely loved the, the concept of a four day week yep. because there's just so much that, that like you have to do as an adult in life. Mm-hmm. And so to have a day to focus on those things, um, without the, my, without my kids around, cause they're at school. Yep. Um, I I'm not, I won't ever give that up. I, yeah. I absolutely love it. So what I'm hearing from you, you haven't talked about money at all, like this entire hour we've been talking. (laughs) And I think if any managers or decision makers or CEOs out there who were thinking about what to do are listening, I want them to hear this. Like the thing that we're talking about is flexibility, time off, remote. I'm going to work remote. I've worked remote. I work remote well. Um, You haven't said if you're making more or less money at any of these companies, and you don't need to, because I know that's not your priority right now. Yeah. Um, I mean, it, full transparency, when I left FinTech, um, I, I was I was an executive. I was at a very, very good salary. I decided to completely career pivot and go into content marketing. So I started at the bottom <laughs> when I did that. And I made that decision to do that, that I was going to take a, a significant pay cut. Um, um, but the reason for that, leaving that job was not flexibility or remote work. I already had those things. It was toxic work environment. Okay. It was unbearable. Um, and I just couldn't take it anymore. And so that was, that was that precipitating factor. No amount of money was worth me staying. Okay. So you Uh, were ready to just get out of that industry and start something super different. So you could like start fresh. Yeah. And I think part of it, um, uh, part of it was the company was very behind in technology. So even though as a product manager, um, it had, they had not stayed current. I wasn't sure that the skills I had were going to be transferable or other product manager jobs had skills that I just couldn't have. Mm-hmm. And so I, I truly, maybe I could have tried, but I was like, do I really want to, I'm getting kind of old. Do I want to learn new things or do mm-hmm. I just, or if I'm going to learn new things, why don't I just learn a whole bunch of new things and right. really start over. Yeah. And when I, when I started when I graduated from college, 2006, content marketing wasn't a thing. Like if you were a writer and I had a degree in English, you could be a journalist at a newspaper mm-hmm. or you could write a book. And that was, yeah. about, you know, there were not a lot of options. So I had never thought about writing as a career until I decided like, well, what else can I do with my life? And Another thing that I'm thinking of is that mentality. You remember how that guy, uh, Stanley Morgan, was it? Morgan Stanley, Stanley. Uh, when he said, you know, your boss can choose, um, and he forgot that people can just leave. I think that mentality, I don't know if he's an older guy or not. Oh, I'm sure he is Um, (laughs) back then. Right. Um, you know, our grandfathers and maybe even our fathers stayed in the same job for 30 years. If they could 35, maybe. Absolutely. And now what is it? The average seven years, maybe if that probably, I think yeah. I heard that figure a while ago. Um, and people are a little bit more willing to career change, you know, be like, I'm not going to get stuck in this dead end thing. So let me just go learn something new. And I know when I went back for my master's degree, I think I was 28 or so, but there were a lot of people in that program that were forties and fifties and maybe even sixties who were like going back to school. And so did you end up having to do any more training? You just used no, the skills? No, I didn't. Um, I, um, so when I decided to leave my, my job, um, and go into content marketing, I started freelancing on the side. 
Mm-hmm. So it was October of 2020. So my kids were still home, pandemic still going on, still had an executive job and I decided to start freelancing. Mm-hmm. But I realized very quickly that nobody would hire me unless I had a writing portfolio. Okay. So I worked for an absolute content mill um, and wrote really horrible blog articles, but they let me put them in my own portfolio. Okay. Um, that was part of the deal. Yep. So I, I was able to do enough um, and I put my heart and soul into it, even though I was paid, you know, pennies. Um but that got me a job at a really good content marketing agency. Mm-hmm. Um, and even though I was starting at like a level one content marketer, um, it was better than uh, what I had been doing but, and got me really big name clients that then helped going forward. But is there an expectation that content marketers have a degree or is that something that you just need to produce your portfolio? Just need to produce your portfolio, I think. So for the people out there listening that don't have a degree, there's, is it still a growing field? Absolutely. Um, and I think freelance in particular is growing right now because unfortunately with a lot of the layoffs, um, people are looking, you know, I'm not full-time for any of the clients I work for. Mm -hmm. So unfortunately, maybe they don't hire an internal full-time resource, or they may have laid off a full-time internal resource and they can supplement their team with me for just you know, a couple hours a week mm-hmm. or work as needed instead. So mm-hmm. for better or worse, it's actually a really good market right now for freelancers because they can supplement teams that maybe just don't have the budget for a full-time person. That's good to know. So if you're willing to hodgepodge yourself and be willing, working with three or four teams, you could be still full-time if you wanted. Absolutely. Um, it's, it's a great, and you know, you can, you know, I started making pennies per word two years ago. And now mm-hmm. I make it, you know, close to a dollar a word. So it, it just getting good clients and putting in that time and, and, um, it can build, you can build a portfolio, um, with some, you know, dedication to it. So I did the pennies for words too through Upwork for a little while. Yeah. And wrote an ebook and a few other things. Um, lots of blog articles. Um, and I guess the hardest part is just finding clients, right? Yeah. I'm very active on LinkedIn. Very, very active. Um, and, and that was kind of an accident. Like I started being active on LinkedIn when I changed careers because I just wanted to like stay connected to all these bankers that I knew. So mm-hmm. it, was, it wasn't really anything like intentional about um, my world at all, but I realized quickly that marketers are on LinkedIn a lot. Okay. <laughs> they are all over LinkedIn. So regardless of the type of marketing that they're in. They could be a paid mark, pay-per-click, social media, whatever. They're just all over so all over LinkedIn. So I just started posting more. Even when I was at the agencies that I worked for, I would just connect with clients. I started posting. Um, and now I get a lot of inbound interest. Um, from, I mean, going viral probably helped, right? <laughs> well, that was that was before I went out on my own. That was about a year before I went out on my own. Really? So um, yeah. So I even though I took like a little bit of freelance work as a result of that, like most of the inbound interest has been since then. Um, but I've built up, you know, an audience of people there. So people just see me and it says like in my profile, like FinTech writer, they're like, Oh, FinTech writer. I need one of those. So then somebody will reach out to me. So it's worked out. I haven't asked you much about, um, your work from home setup in your home. And we can kind of close with that. I think, um, you mentioned that you normally work somewhere else, but you're currently in the basement. Why yes. again? You said the ac- acoustics are better here. Yeah. So, um, I work, uh, my house has a sunroom, so it's kind of like 3.75 seasons out of the year. It's okay. Like there's, mm-hmm. it's just, like gets a little hot in the dead of summer and a little cold in the dead of winter, but most right. of the time it's fine. Um, so that's where I work tons of light. I love it, but it's two stories up. So, mm-hmm. um, because it's the whole side of the house. So when I'm doing a recording or something like that, the acoustics are just terrible. There's a lot of echo. Um, so I have a little space set aside, uh, in the basement just, um, so it doesn't sound quite as bad, but most of the time, um, my, my office is in the sunroom. And I'm just curious, are you using a filter behind you with these cute shelves or are those I actually, am, I am, I do actually have cute shelves behind me. <laughs> 
But remember at the beginning of the story of like my cat going into the really ugly drop ceiling, uh-huh. there was, there's no way to angle the camera without seeing the ugly drop ceiling. Oh, really? So I like, and I was just like, I can't do it. So I, I had all <laughs> these, I have bookshelves like lined up behind me and tried to make it cute. Like there's just nothing I could do and I, <laughs> I, without seeing that ceiling and like part of the back of my basement. So I was like, I give up. I'm just going to put something similar to my backdrop there. And then your husband is currently working remote. Do you guys share the sunroom or where is Oh, he? no, no, no. Can't share space. <laughs> so, actually, it's really funny on his first day working remotely um, ever back in 2016, you know, I'd been a pro at remote work at that point. He like came into my office. He had, a, he has his own office in the house. He came into my office. He's like, what you doing? Like, like what do you, why, why are you here talking? I think he was lonely. I think after not, <laughs> after so much time, like um, spending with his, you know, co-work, having coworkers yeah. around, not having people around, he would just come into my office during the day. I'm like, what are you doing? Like, you, so um, he's in a lot of meetings um, during the day. So yeah, he has a separate office. Um, uh, I can hear him cook lunch occasionally, uh, but that is a benefit. Sometimes I will have lunch with him. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, he's in a, he's in a separate room. Uh, my office is currently in the closet in our bedroom and my husband's office is in our bedroom. Uh, but he takes his lunch pretty much at 1130 every day. And we kind of got into a rhythm where we just knew that he'd come out, you know, and I am not usually working in here unless I'm recording. Um, so I work downstairs more often. And sometimes I would try to sit next to him at a desk next to his desk And I could tell that it was annoying. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And I do, the sunroom is also like the gateway to getting to our backyard. So Mm -hmm. when my kids get home, all of a sudden there's like people Mm -hmm. like parading through part of that. And that's just kind of, I just have to deal with that. So the majority of the day it's fine. But then my middle schooler gets off the bus and he always likes to go in the backyard right away. So he'll just kind of like, Hey mom, as he's walking through. So, you know, but you're not normally on meetings. So it's not normally. No, I, I never allow meetings like scheduled later in the, like, because I know that he could be walking through. Right. Um, so there you yeah, go. I just don't let that happen. All right. Well, any advice for someone who's thinking about working from home for the first time? Um, I will say that it does take some getting used to, um, and people have to kind of figure out what works best for them. I do know people who work, you know, they like that kind of rigid um, nine to four block of time and like putting themselves in that space and saying, this is when I work. And then outside of that, they're like, this is when I don't work. That's fine. If that works for you. But also I would say, you know, experiment with flexing your time around what works best. Like you said, you work late. I work very early, whatever works because you have, you have the ability to do that or, you know, be like me and throw in laundry in the middle of the day, things like that, because you can. Because you can, and it makes that part of your life a lot easier. And any final thoughts? How do, how do people find you if they're looking for tech, fintech writers? Anything fintech. Um, my website, uh, AnnaBYang.com. Um, and uh, it's got stuff about writing or workflow. Um, and there's also a link to my Substack, and it's all about remote work, um, just because I'm passionate about talking about it. Um, so if people are just, kind of want to go back and read stories. And sometimes I talk to other people and get their experiences as a resource as well. Substack. And you also write for medium. I do. write on I write on medium. Most of the work there is for freelancers. Um, so kind of how to manage client work, how to manage your deliverables, uh, time management, some of the tools that I talked about, kind of like tips for using them. Um, so yeah, I'm kind of all over the place. All right. Well, thank you so much. And I appreciate it. This has been I'm going to screw this up. Okay. This has been Anna Burgess Yang with April Malone and yes, I work from home. And don't forget if you want to be on the show, just go ahead and send me a message. Uh, April at yes, I work from home.com. Find me on the website. Yes. I work from home.com forward slash podcast forward slash guest. And you can fill out our guest interest form just like Anna did today. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Take care. <laughs>